This is the Longevity and Rejuvenation Tech Tree session at Foresight's Vision Weekend in the US. Take a look behind the scenes as we ask our favorite contributors to produce a longevity technology tree by presenting a note of the tech that they're working on, the enabling technologies that are crucial in its development and what it may unlock. The focus, again, is longevity and rejuvenation. The slides can be found on the YouTube videos, and the speakers are Carl Fleger from agingbiotech.info, Greg Fahey from Intervene Immune, Martin Boy Jensen from Guardian, and Lawrence Iron from VitaDAO, and Jose Luis Ricon from Rejuvenome. Enjoy this session. Jose and uh, Adam um, Marblestone, who will be uh, in the Molecular Machines panel in the next one, uh, they uh, gave a talk, I think it was a year ago now, maybe a little longer, uh, to our group uh, on a fantastic project that is now really being incorporated um, and um, and that I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit more uh, about as we go along. But I will also bring up the seminar summary in case uh, you want to check it out. But Jose, I'm super happy to have you here. What do you work on? What are the long-term goals and what are challenges you want people to solve? Okay, so um, so as, as Alison said, so in, in the past, uh, during the past year, I've been working with Adam Marlestone, who is around here, on, on an organization that is aiming to do an, an atlas of aging interventions. Um, so I guess over the, over the past few decades, we have seen a number of trends that have gotten together to enable uh, this in development. One is first, that now we can probe into biology to levels that were completely unthinkable uh, uh, years ago. So now we can, we can look at tissues at the single cell resolution, and then in the future, even like spatially, how in, a, in one slice of, of a tissue, different genes are changing uh, across the the aging process. Um, affordable sequencing is another one. So, so now there are projects that, that thanks to uh, sequencing becoming more and, and more cheap, uh, they are, they, they, it's like if we tried to, if we had we tried to do these projects decades ago, they may have taken the entire budget of the NIH to do. Now, uh, you, you can get human genomes, uh, like, like your own personal genome, uh, at a reasonable, uh, cost. And then lastly, there have been multiple proposals for interventions that aim to slow down or reverse aspects of aging and aging-related pathologies. So we have this, this pool of candidate therapies or interventions, and we have these technologies to probe deeper into biology. Um, so this gets together into this project called Regumenome, which uh, it's a focused research organization um, that was started by Adam and myself. Um, it's, it's co-hosted at the Back Institute in Innovato. And what we aim to do is to produce an, an atlas, and by an atlas we mean a very systematic probing of the aging process in mice. So this is both at the measuring lifespan, but also at the molecular level at, in multiple tissues, how uh, aging is uh, unfolding. And the novelty here is that we're not measuring natural aging. We kind of already know what natural aging looks like in, in mice, it's all in mice. But we want to causally perturb that aging process uh, with interventions. We want to see before and after what these interventions are actually doing to then enable other downstream uh, uh, um, areas of research. Um, one of which, for example, is uh, causally validated uh, methylation clocks to some extent. So, so these clocks are what, what in effect are black box models that enable you to predict things like your age and also how fast you're aging, so to speak. But we do not know yet if these clocks remain valid uh, after you apply some intervention. So if you apply the intervention, you get a readout, and then the clock says that now you are supposed to live two years longer. Is that actually true? We don't know. By having a large data set with multiple interventions uh, pulled in, in there, we'll be able to actually develop clocks that are trained over a broader space of the um, of the of this like the, of the phenotype of the mice, and potentially enabling us to have these like more robust clocks um, 
to then see if these interventions are working faster than, than having to wait all the way until the, the mice die. Secondly, uh, we aim to try combinations of interventions. So, so typically you, you could try one drug at a time, but if you try multiple ones targeting either the same or multiple pathways, you might see synergistic effects. And we want to document these effects for the broader community to, uh, uh, to see and, and explore. Um, and then lastly, we have uh, the fact that this data set, this is all a non-profit. So all this data that's going to, going to produce is going to be made open to the public, all these data sets, so that the whole community can explore uh, the, the data set. We do not know the full consequences and implications of what we're going to be, of the data we're going to be producing, but we hope that multiple labs will be able to make use of this data set for their own ends and make progress towards the, the ultimate goal, which is the development of um, therapeutics targeting um, aging. Thanks. Lovely. That was quite the mouthful. Okay. Now, um, any comments, questions already, either from the panel or from the audience? Okay, get your minds churning. I'll ask again. Okay, now we get the double slider. You can already start talking while I'm bringing up oh, your slides. This is me. <laughs> sure. So um, I, have, I have two hats. One hat uh, has Gordian on it. Um, that's my company. And we think that the rejuvenome is great. We think that we should map out what uh, drugs have an effect on aging and age-related diseases. And when you uh, want to test a drug, what what are you doing? You're asking, does this thing cause the change that I'm interested in? And ideally, if the answer is yes, uh, you want that answer to apply to humans. And so if you test your drug in some sort of context that's totally irrelevant for human aging, then we're on the right one, right? Oh, can you go to the other slide? There we go. Okay. If you test that <laughs> in a context that's totally irrelevant to human aging, such as a single cell living in a plastic house, um, then uh, you might be wasting your time. What you really want is to go into something like an old mouse. That thing is definitely old, and you want to turn it into a young mouse or turn its cell into young cells. The challenge in doing that is that uh, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of logistics and you need a lot of mice. How many mice are you buying? So we're getting like a thousand every One thousand every year. That's a lot of mice um, to test 10-ish things, right? Well, uh, we have an enabling technology here. So, uh, no, I, I, they're doing the right thing. And we want to do the next thing, which is what if you could test a thousand things in one mouse? What if you could put a thousand drugs into one mouse um, and figure out what is the effect of each one of those? And so the enabling technologies for this are primarily two. One is gene therapy, which there'll be a talk on later, um, where you can take therapies and put them into only individual cells within the animal. So you can take your 100 million mouse liver hepatocytes and just take 1% of those and give them one therapy. Um, and you can give them a range of different therapies. So you can put 100 things in, and then some cells get this one, some cells get that one. Um, so gene therapy has uh, really been blooming in the last decade, basically, um, after a brief hiatus in the 2000s. Um, and then there's single cell sequencing, which also has been coming online in this last decade, where you can take individual cells from that tissue, pull them out, uh, measure the state of the cell, the activity of the cell. Is it doing healthy things or non-healthy things um, on a cell-by-cell -cell basis? And so then add the technology we've invented for figuring out which drug was where and what it did. And now you can test um, hundreds of things in a single animal. So that's a Gordian hat. What do we need for that? 
I mean, I think basically it's working pretty well, but we would like to have a hundred times more gene therapy uh, manufacturing so that when we move from mice to much larger humans, we can uh, do a similar thing. The other hat whoop, I have is um, basically the same hat. Like we want to know whether our aging drugs work or not. And the problem with measuring aging in humans is that it takes literally one lifetime to measure. Uh, one human lifetime. And we want to move much faster than that. And so we want biomarkers for aging. And this is uh, not original to me. Um, we want a way to measure uh, what's, whether a drug has an impact on aging in humans. And all the data from the rejuvenome will help us develop that for mice. And then we'll test whether the same stuff works in humans. But what do we do with those biomarkers? One thing we could do is we could take a drug that we think is an aging drug, and then we could start a trial and then uh, that trial would run. And if the aging drug works, we could find out in five years instead of 50 years. Um, but that's not enough because I want to cure aging in our lifetime. So uh, I think that we should make every trial that is run in the U.S. into an aging trial uh, by taking a panel of um, aging biomarkers that we can measure in a small blood sample. And so we have to develop these biomarkers. Um, and then we should append those to every trial that happens for any disease um, in the U.S. So if you're testing a new cancer drug and you're going to see if it kills cancer, we should find out whether it accelerates aging or slows aging. Uh, because the drugs we have right now that maybe work, the highest potential ones like rapamycin and metformin, those aren't aging drugs. Those are immunosuppressant drugs and diabetes drugs, but maybe they have an effect on aging. So if we measure that across um, all trials through a centralized um, institution that basically gets a bunch of blood samples, runs a bunch of validated assays on them, then we can sort of weaponize all the work that is already happening, all the hundreds of billions of dollars that are going into clinical testing towards finding drugs that would uh, broadly impact human health uh, and reduce multimorbidity uh, through aging. And for that, we need some great biomarkers. Lovely. Okay. Well, biomarkers it is. And uh, I heard of a potential competition spring up on this in the next year. Great. Um, we have your two slides. We have Jose's slides. Moving on to Lawrence. Lawrence, give us your shtick. What are you guys up to at VitaDAO yeah. and what's a key challenge you want others to solve? Yep. I'm uh, Lawrence Hayan. Um, come from uh, the entrepreneurial side. I did uh, some tech uh, startups before with a computer science background. And um, I realized health is the most important thing to me. I started uh, from scratch, teaching myself molecular biology and spending a few years volunteering in labs and figuring out how I can help best. And the answer for me now is VitaDAO. It's a decentralized collective funding longevity research. Um, it's at the intersection of crypto and longevity. I know you had a panel on cryptocurrencies, uh, crypto commerce Which earlier. actually through the group that you met VitaDAO, right? Through the uh, Italian Corporation group. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I had applied to join VitaDAO and I had joined the Discord server. Um, but they didn't get back to me and, uh, actually, Finally, I got through to one of the co-initiators, Tyler Collado, through the Intelligent Corporation Foresight uh, Zoom. Uh, so that was cool. Um, 
obviously earlier later i found out that um you don't need necessarily to meet anyone you can just it's it's an open community on discord i didn't really follow the channels but um you can always see some public channels some working groups where we um are are kind of keeping the community up to date uh, with what we're doing and you can always say hey i can help with this or that and and get involved it's um you know it's it's pretty hard to if you want to get involved in longevity it's it's pretty hard to get involved in a startup or a vc fund but uh with uh with a dao a decentralized autonomous organization um i really encourage all of you to to peek into our discord server and 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 see this kind of new way of uh, aligning incentives and organizing a group of people towards a common mission in viradao's cases it is longevity um you might have noticed that there is a huge overlap between the uh crypto community web3 uh, a lot of the key opinion leaders there are um sort of on the bandwagon with um doing longevity doing medicine in a, in another way trying to really bring aging under medical control and it kind of makes sense um they are they are futurists um both communities have been kind of uh dismissed by the the um the incumbents um yeah so here i'm i'm i was uh writing about this uh way of democratizing access to to therapeutics um and and uh, democratizing the the actual funding and developing uh, development of of biotechnologies so um imagine how would insulin look like if it was collectively developed and owned uh, by by diabetics and the researchers working on that new type of insulin how, what would that do to access and pricing of insulin uh, which is weirdly still expensive even though it's been like a century um since we had insulin so um there there is definitely some some problematic aspects with the current model of um intellectual property it's one of the most um valuable asset classes in the world and yet it's still kind of stuck in the 19th century or 20th century uh very illiquid um very much um bureaucratic and on paper and you got to do deals and um it's it's hard to fractionalize so with how the, are you guys solving it and what so with a dao we can actually put we have this uh, enabling technology right where we have we can attach these ip rights patents data sets to an nft a non-fungible token you might have heard about that earlier in the other talk um so this gives it's it's, it's any any contract can be put on on the blockchain you reference in the actual legal contract the nft contract address and then the contract in the nft smart contract uh you have basically a pdf you can you can also attach uh encrypted data and you reference this legal contract and that kind of gives you rights to that license uh the community votes on what to do first of all um we have a working group that looks at 
projects, research projects, usually pre-startup. Um, so we're trying to kind of bridge this, this value of death where you have a project where, um, maybe it's starting to be, tr become translational, but it's too early for VCs and angels and definitely, uh, applying for NIH grants or, or other types of grants like that, except impetus grants. Of course, impetus grants is awesome, fast and, and, uh, efficient. And maybe also um, say a little bit, of what is the key challenge that you want others to help you guys solve with? So um, we, well, this is my personal um, kind of idea of uh, developing a, a proper set of aging biomarkers um, that we kind of have, have consensus around um, as a sort of industry consortium, which can, which can be a DAO, which VitaDAO can be part of and so on, uh, where startups, organizations, fun, uh, investors, Uh, everyone kind of comes together and we go to the FDA with, with a proper, with a good data set of, of look, this is how, um, we can affect aging and it can really be an indication. And Thanks. at least we have consensus that we need consensus around biomarkers here. <laughs> That's great. More or less. Yeah. Well, if we can't measure, what can you do about it? Anyway, thank I'll you. talk more about VitaDAO because I could go for, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lawrence. Um, I think we have a good action item that, and I already see your slide connecting with the crypto commerce slide. So maybe we have to draw a very, very long line between uh, those two ones here. Okay. Lovely. Next one up, we have Greg. Greg. Let us know what you're working on, how it relates to the very long run and what people here can do to solve it. All right. So I'm deeply interested in aging across the board, but I'm centrally focused on the thymus because the thymus is a focal point of aging. Uh, first of all, if you restore thymic function in old animals, their brains get younger, their livers get younger, their glands get younger, their uh, uh, intracellular signaling gets better. Um, so the, the thymus is, is more than just the master gland of the immune system responsible for manufacturing the T cells that you need to survive. It has deeper relations to aging, too, so it's a convenient point of intervention for aging in general. So we already did a human clinical trial called the TRIM trial, in which we show that at the end of the trial, which was a one-year trial, the volunteers are 1.5 years biologically younger than they were when they started the trial, which means that since the trial itself took a year, they were actually two and a half years younger biologically than they would have been if they had just sat on the couch for that year. Uh, and we were able to show that because although I agree that better diagnostics for aging are, are uh, desirable, uh, there are already very excellent uh, diagnostic markers for aging uh, already. It's true that many of them are black box in, in nature, so we, we don't understand how they work exactly, but they still provide very good measures of aging. And there are newer ones coming along. Uh, for example, there's one specifically for immune system aging. There's an immune aging clock. Uh, and there's also one uh, for rate of aging. So you can tell what your instantaneous rate of aging is, which may be even more sensitive than these other clocks. So we have some really good ways of measuring aging in general. But another, so we can rely on those if we're doing thymus studies, because if the thymus study does affect aging, then we can, we can measure that. But the thymus itself has its own very objective diagnostic markers that we can apply to measure aging of the immune system, which are not controversial or hard to convince anybody of. Uh, such as whether your thymus is producing new T cells or not, whether it's clearing out senescent T cells or not. So for me, the thymus is a very strategic uh, intervention point for aging, and it's one that we can do right now. So, you know, we've already done a human clinical trial. We're starting a second clinical trial. So this is very relevant and germane to the real uh, here and now world and not something 
that we hope to accomplish someday if certain societal changes take place or whatever. Uh, we can do what we want to do no matter what else anybody else does. So that's, that's a good thing. So uh, what we really want in the end of the day is really, really good methods of thymus regeneration. Uh, and so we have some approaches that can be tried. The only one that's really being tried now clinically is our approach, the trim uh, treatment approach. But there are other things that have been proposed. There are cytokines that regrow the thymus. Uh, there are hormone uh, ablation techniques that can be applied. If you, if you want to give up your sex life, you, you may be able to have a better thymus. That's not the route that we chose, of course. But, uh, but, but what if you had a, the ability to look at a lot of these things and, and start combining them uh, so that you could get a, a better overall result? So combinatorial and future technologies uh, is the third uh, enabling technology box. We want to we see what happens if you regenerate the thymus in two or three different ways, not just in one way. You're liable to get a much better result. And future technologies like gene therapy need to be put into this mix as well. So I think all of these different branches have a role and are very strategic. And so what we've already been able to show is at least there in humans, there's, it's possible to partly reverse immunosenescence. We saw a regrowth of the thymus gland, which normally atrophies into fat. After you go through puberty, we're able to grow that back. We're able to get new T cells produced. Um, and what we found out, you know, by accident, as I mentioned, is we're reversing aging in general, or at least the major part of aging, the part of aging that you can measure with these epigenetic clocks. Um, and uh, there are other uh, aspects of um, uh, aging that are dependent upon the immune system uh, uh, as well, such as, for example, the fact that as we get older, we, we tend to develop autoimmune diseases because the thymus is no longer straightening out, straightening out the confusion of the T cells, which begin to, to get confused and attack our own body. And as we rejuvenate the thymus, autoimmune disorders are going to go away as well. So there's all kinds of benefits to it. And the ultimate goal of all of this is a vast reduction in morbidity and mortality related to aging. Um, and then the last uh, panel down there was about the combinatorial aspect of this whole thing, because... Um, you know, I was just talking to Reason uh, today, and Reason has a, a method of, I, I was just uh, talking to him, and, and he has a way of uh, repairing blood vessels, right? And so what if you regenerate the thymus and you repair blood vessels at the same time? Maybe you get an even better result. So uh, we would like to see, you know, uh, contractual models that allow companies with have different interests to seamlessly cooperate in combination trials. And again, human clinical trials is the way to go. We've done enough rat studies and mice studies for the time being. We, we're going to have to do a lot more of them, but the rubber meets the road when you're putting into a human being. You know the results will be relevant to humans if you're putting them into humans. So uh, we want to do combinatorial therapies with other clinical stage companies uh, so we can really roll back aging at maximum speed. So that's my story. Lovely. A uh, reason we'll be um, giving a virtual talk at our virtual health extension gathering on Monday. So Monday is a whole biotech and health extension um, a day and uh, virtually. And I'm so happy to have you here, Greg. I remember at our last in-person meeting, Zina was talking about uh, um, your trials when they were just up and running. And so it's really cool to have you here. So thanks for joining. Pleasure. Last but not least, we have Carl. So you love the field. Carl, what do you think is an exciting challenge that we need to get around in solving and a long-term trajectory for the field? Well, like Martin and uh, I wear two hats, actually, like most people here uh, on the stage. You only made one um, slide. But uh, yes, unlike unlike Martin, I only made one slide. So, uh, and I'm going to get up and point at my slide. Um, 
So I, I do want to say that, you know, the, th- bef- uh, the th- thing that's most important is speeding up progress, right? The, and um, I'm a computer scientist by training and all computer scientists come to the field of aging and they always say biomarkers first and, you know, biomarkers gets a little overused. So I'm going to go a little and be a little more specific. Um, but the reason that all computer scientists have that reaction when they get to biology is that it's very comparatively very easy to debug a a software because you can insert all the sensors you want and figure out exactly what changes when and relative to other things. And that's what we need more of in um, biology in general and specifically to fight aging. So, so, you know, we know a lot of different ways to break down the field, um, but we don't have enough good ways to query things specific to those different sub areas um, in enough detail to start figuring out exactly what all the causal relationships are between the different sub areas, which will really help us uh, understand what the right intervention points are that are the highest leverage. So as an example, um, there are hypotheses right now that NAD plus decrease is caused by CD38 increase, which maybe is caused by senescent cells. Um, you know, that would be really, really important to know. And there's, you know, right now that science is getting done, but it's getting done too slowly. And it's largely because we just don't have enough of the intermediary variables queried in a good way. So so I want to see more minimally invasive or minimally damaging ways to query the body um, in vivo. And um, and this this really breaks down into three main areas, um, which I'm going to and what I want to do is double click on one of them and talk about it in more detail. But the other two are new and better sensors, some of which are being talked about here at this meeting, things like better microscopy or fancy ways to use um, the electromagnetic spectrum to see inside the body in better ways. Um, The third one is something that a lot of people in this community think about. It's just better data collection. Um, uh, uh, Companies like Kevin Parrott's OpenOM are are worried about this and the the Humanity app. Um, And then most of the stuff on better aging clocks by having them predict mortality and not just predict current chronological age goes in here. You know, that requires banked blood. You know, if you don't want to wait 30 years, that requires banked blood and getting access to that and then having follow-up health records. Um, But let's double click on this. This is where I think there's a lot of opportunity for innovation and and new developments from different fields. And this is um, sort of R&D for establishing new relationships between things or scaling up sensitivity uh, or ease of getting data. And so I just want to, there's a lot of interesting examples here, and I just want to go over a couple of them to give a flavor of what I think more of is needed. So it breaks down into a couple different categories. One is just scaling and uh, up sensitivity or, uh, you know, or ability to, um, do things with smaller amounts that make them more minimally damaging or invasive. So here's two examples. Um, We all know what PCR is. There is a protein analog of PCR called um, protein misfolding cyclic amplification. And the the idea with PCR is you minor amounts of nucleotide sequences can be essentially exponentially duplicated so that you can get high sensitivity. Well, you can do the same thing with misfolding proteins like amyloid beta, alpha synuclein, all the things that trigger all the neurodegenerative diseases as well as alpha uh, transthyretin, which kills all the supercentenarians. And all you do is basically the analog of PCR. You, you have a tiny amount of the misfolded thing, you put in more of the regular folding kind, you shake it up a little, and you can, you can basically exponentially increase the amount and 
And there's a company that's trying to commercialize this called Amprion. Disclaimer, I'm an investor. Um, but, you know, it's an example of a way to scale something that helps uh, create a better diagnostic. Another example um, is a company that's figured out a three-dimensional version of an ELISA assay, which uh, it, 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 they don't talk about. The, the company's called Corellia. Again, I'm an investor in this one, too. But um, they they don't talk about it this way. But in some ways, it's Theranos for real by having more binding uh, asset, uh, sites that are three-dimensionally accessible, they can have much better sensitivity and therefore you can do longitudinal sampling uh, at volumes of blood that would be difficult to do with more traditional uh, assays. So the other kind of category of thing that really is innovation in this area is real actual biology, often guided by biological understanding, which finds correlations between things which enable better non-destructive querying of the body. So good examples of this are the fact that glucose in interstitial fluid uh, correlates with glucose in the blood, which is what enabled the entire industry of continuous glucose monitoring. Um, uh, retinal uh, scans, good science showing that levels of misfolded proteins in the retina correlate with those in the rest of the brain, has enabled a whole bunch of companies to go after um, looking at amyloid beta detection or other uh, aggregates in the brain or in the retina as a diagnostic for Alzheimer's or predictive prediction of Alzheimer's. Um, a third example of a correlation would be pulse wave velocity correlating with blood pressure and arterial stiffening, which is allowing companies to go after um, ambulatory blood pressure monitoring without a, a, a restrictive cuff. Um, another one is uh, a, a company called GTEC is doing what is basically EKG or EEG for the gastrointestinal tract, you know, so it's just, you know, electrical impulses that are detectable on the surface of the skin correlating with some underlying organ or internal biological process that's important for clinical diagnosis. So we the ideas of an more of those, basically, and that will allow us to do things. And so, you know, in addition, separately, we need, you know, I'd love to see a key challenge of like better access to tissue. So um, you know, biopsies that are minimally invasive or good access to CSF. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm sure that we can get something rolling there, hopefully maybe even on the biotech panel just after this. Um, but I think many of the enabling technologies that you just uh, spun out, there are things that, you know, people in this room could potentially be working on. So this is definitely a kind of customer request here from the longevity field. Um, all right. Uh, is there any common question already on the panel? Was anything not to your liking, to your understanding? Do you want to um, plus one, one of the things that was said. Just a very minor comment on your last point, uh, Carl. So uh, taking biopsy samples of the human body is obviously not trivial to do. Uh, and it just occurred to me as I was listening to you that we do have pills that people uh, swallow that take pictures of, of your uh, gut lining, but maybe a little bit of modification could take little snippets of the gut at different levels and bring them back home and, and uh, deliver them for analysis later. So maybe there's some angles that we can think about that, that, that would accomplish part of what you're uh, looking for. Um, also comment on Carl's. Um, so the next round of the longevity impetus grants, which are basically high impact, fast grants for aging. Um, and Carl is one of the donors to this program, uh, which will run in next spring, will be focused on non-invasive uh, biomarker techniques, um, at least 50% of that. So, uh, we'll be sourcing proposals from scientists all over the world for how can we do more of this stuff, and then we'll be giving them sort of 100K, 200K-ish grants uh, to do that. So if anyone in the audience is like, ah, oh, 
I don't know how to build non-invasive Raman to RNA uh, measurement tools. However, I have $100,000 that I don't really need. I'd like to live longer. Uh, then you can give it to the Longevity Impetus Grants, and then they will source it to uh, the scientists who are working on such nascent technologies. Uh, and then hopefully we can get what Carl wants, which I agree is exactly what we all want. Great. Have a good program. Yes. yes. Also, one or two adults in the same vein that the Juvenome is open for submissions for interventions. So if you have uh, any, like anything you, you want to see tried for aging in, in mice, uh, just, just go on Google, search for Juvenome, and you will find a form to submit your intervention of choice. It takes like five minutes. And then if we like it, we will get in touch. All right. Lovely, guys. Okay, I do want to say those folks are all part of our biotech and health extension group. If you're now, your interest has peaked, you want to find out more, um, and we're continuing with the next panel along the same lines, then go to our website, biotech and health extension seminar summaries, and you have the seminar summaries with Wiesel, who's sitting in the back, who will be doing the Monday talk, um, with Emil, who's coming up on stage in just a second, and with many of uh, those folks who are here on stage and uh, giving a more long-term exp explanation of what it actually is that they're working on. So if your interest has been piqued, click on the seminar summary and tuck, you have the entire summary of it. Also, again, if you want to apply to the group, there's an application group and there's an application form to the group on the main website. All right. Okay, good. Thank you so much. Yes, Lawrence. Just, just uh, I didn't know you were ending, but uh, yeah, I also want to make a call out, you know, to um, join VitaDAO, not only with funding, you can you can contribute funds that, uh, and that will give you tokens to decide, governance tokens to decide where those funds, which research those funds are going to fund. Um, but you can contribute work. You can um, con contribute uh, ideas. So imagine a Reddit community where you, instead of just talking about it, you can actually have access to capital <clears throat> and, and actually get things done. Did this conversation pique your interest? Maybe it even inspired a bit of existential hope about the future in you. Search for Fawcett Institute on YouTube or Twitter to stay up to date or visit Fawcett.org to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and join our efforts. We are entirely funded by your donations, so please support us if you like what we do. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>